and then let him know that if he can find a good free like chipper intro music clip <laughs> to go ahead and slot that in. Um, <laughs> Listening to Love Ya, a guided tour through the streaming world of teen rom-coms. My name is Martha Sullivan, young adult librarian, YLIT enthusiast, and just general enjoyer of romantic comedies, great and small. And I am joined today by my co-host. I'm Marn Hagman, a youth services librarian, um, romance novel and rom-com aficionado, um, and a real real enthusiast of the genre well thank you so much for uh coming on this journey with me marin i am excited to explore all of the streaming options of uh in the vein of teen romantic comedies with you i think we've had some excellent uh options appear for us in the last couple of years which is basically why I decided I wanted to do this podcast with you. <laughs> yes, we are we are truly living in a renaissance um, of the rom-com in the year I of our Lord 2019. 2019. <laughs> it's wonderful. We are going to start our journey today by discussing The Perfect Date, the 2019 Netflix original starring Noah Centineo, Laura Marano, Camilla Mendes, um, Odysseus... Georgiadis and Matt Walsh and directed by Chris Nelson. Uh, I'm going to start us off with a real quick synopsis. Um, warning to our audience, there will be light spoilers on this podcast. Uh, I'm a pretty big believer in the idea that uh, knowing some things ahead of time doesn't necessarily spoil your viewing uh, experience, but if spoilers are a concern for you, you may want to pause this real quick, duck over and view the perfect date and then come back. It's an hour and a half, so it won't even take you that long to get caught up. So, the perfect date. Noah Centineo stars as Brooks Radigan, one of the worst names for a teenager I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is just, it is very bad. Um, but anyway, so... Brooks is saving up money for college. He is applying to Harvard, which is very important for him to go to. Uh, and uh, actually, I believe it's Yale. I think Yale. He's, yeah, I oh, think he's trying to get to right. go. You are absolutely correct. It is Yale. Um, there is a. Well, we'll we'll get into the, yeah. <laughs> we'll get into the University of Connecticut stuff in a little bit. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Brooks is saving up to go to Yale, and. While he is gabbing about ways to make money with his friend Murph at their part-time job at the subway knockoff, uh, he hears one of his classmates uh, talk about how he is going to be paid by his dad to take his cousin to a formal dance. And Brooke says, hey, I'll do that, and all it'll take is the money that your dad was going to pay you anyway. This launches Brooke's new money-making uh, endeavor, which is an app where girls can find him to be their plus ones to different events. Um, 
these events run the gamut from a pairs tennis match to an art opening to a practice date, which was my personal favorite moment of the date montage. Uh, during the course of these, uh, he meets Shelby, uh, a played by Camila Mendez, one of a... Uh, so I feel like I'm describing this movie really badly. No, no, you're not at all. Um, okay. Yeah, no, you're doing great. All right, so he meets Shelby at one of these parties um, and is introduced to her by Celia, the cousin from the first scene. Um, and he decides that not only is he going to get into Yale, but he is also going to snag Shelby on the way. Um and yeah, romantic shenanigans ensue. Um, how did you feel about this movie, Maren? <laughs> uh, I enjoyed this movie very much. Um, I think that while it certainly was not as good as Noah Centineo's predecessor um, to All the Boys I've Loved Before, I, I think it was a, a really fun and if formulaic entry into the genre um I really think the emotional heart of the film is actually between Noah Centineo's character and his dad who is wonderfully played by Matt Walsh um and his mm -hmm. best friend um so I really those were definitely my favorite scenes um were the interactions between um, him and his dad and him and his best friend. Um, I think those were the the strength of the movie. I think Camila Mendez's character really didn't need to exist. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I had a lot of questions about her. She, it felt like because I I enjoy Camila Mendez a lot. Her just sort of in general, I'm a big Riverdale fan. Um, her purpose in this movie seemed to be. To, for there to be a reason why Brooks and Celia don't just start dating immediately. Yeah, she was kind of an artificial barrier. Um, and it, it's never quite clear what... And I mean, to be fair, it does seem pretty in character for a teenager to be like, oh, that girl is cute. I'm gonna go for it. And like... That that does seem somewhat in character, but, like, we're never, I think, given the time with her to fully understand why Brooks is suddenly like, oh, this girl. Um, For sure. Although I will say, I think actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when they do finally go on a date, and she's like, oh, yeah, I don't, you know, really have my life planned, except for I'm going to go to college and major in this, and then go to business school at here and do that. Uh, and I really, I did actually really enjoy that moment of that movie, but we didn't have enough buildup of that character to really make us understand why Brooks isn't just immediately like, oh, I have a great rapport with this Cecilia girl. Um, so. so I, I thought this movie had some great moments, but in general, I, I did not enjoy it all that much. No. And well, so let me, let me walk you through this a little bit. So mm -hmm. first, when we're introduced to Brooks, 
he has like he's very certain he like he wants to go to Yale and Yale is like the hot girl where University of Connecticut where his dad went and where his dad is like this would be totally fine and probably like cheaper and more achievable for you to go to um and Brooks spins out this really lengthy metaphor where he compares Yale to like the hot girl who knows what she's doing and University of Connecticut as like the girl that eats chips in bed. It was very bad. Yeah. Um, but that moment I was like, oh, this movie has a class problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, because there is also tension. So he, Brooks is from Bridgeport and sidebar my husband Bill had to point out to me that I think this movie was supposed to be set in Chicago. Oh, interesting. Which based, I would not have guessed. Based on, like, the book it's from, or? It's not based on a book. Um, uh, it So it's based on The Stand-In by Steve Bloom. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. The only reason I know that is one of my best friends from college works for the publishing company um that published it and so she was tweeting a lot about it when it um was coming out because it's actually a publishing company from minneapolis um so it would make sense that it would take place in chicago yeah all of the neighborhoods they talk about are chicago neighborhoods i was watching this thinking yeah i was like oh this movie is set in california like every other one and bill was like no it's definitely supposed to be in chicago visually does not look like it anyway so okay. Brooks is from Bridgeport, which is slightly lower income, and like Celia and Shelby and Celia's cousin are all from Darien, which is a little bit more upper class. So Shelby is also like this aspirational get for him, and it ends up being a big deal when she finds out that he's from Bridgeport. And I was like, oh, why yeah. do we care? Um, and also that scene that you were talking about when uh Brooks takes Shelby to prom. Is it prom, I think? Yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah. prom. Yeah, because there are a couple of formals. It's hard to keep track of all the different formal yes. dances How these many... teenagers have to go to. <laughs> right. Um, but it's also a teen rom-com, which means they all end at prom. Um, but Legally anyway. required. <laughs> Legally required. Um, and he's like, she says, oh, what do you want to do at Yale? And he's like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. And she's like, yeah, I haven't really either. And then she, you know, you already mentioned, she's like, I'm going to, major in economics and get my MBA and then I don't really know what I'm going to do and I wasn't sure if the movie was if I was supposed to think that that was a bad thing that she like has this whole plan I don't know that seems to be the moment where Brooks is like oh we're different people but I was kind of like dude she has herself together like yeah I guess I read that as like a good thing like Okay. She, I and maybe that was just my reading of the moment was yeah like you said like he realizes not that she's a because it's never I don't think that she's a bad person it's just oh we're just very different people um and he had like built this image up of her in her mind I mean not to say that it's not potentially problematic because it definitely could be read that way um for sure mm-hmm. that's yeah that's much more forgiving because I was a little bit like I I feel like there's so there, the movie was trying to set up tension between like Brooks's working class background. I mean, there's obviously tension because he doesn't tell anybody mm-hmm. about it, and then it ends up being a big issue. And I 
was never really convinced that it was that big of a problem. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of that is because Shelby is just not a very well-developed character. Like, it, if, we had gotten, if we had gotten to hang out with her more and seen, like, oh, she really does have a problem with people who are poor or whatever, then that might have been more convincing. Yeah, and I... I think as I was saying earlier, like, that plant line was definitely the weakest, if in part just because there was no, it was a impediment to Brooks and Celia's relationship for the sake of having an impediment. Um, Mm -hmm. And, yeah, so I think, yeah, we really, like, don't necessarily know enough about her to even read in to what she's saying and doing in those scenes. And I also didn't feel like we got to know enough about Celia to really... I did not connect with their connection, if that makes sense. That's fair. I think the trip to Yale did do a lot of work um and just those moments of them road tripping in the car I think we're supposed to do a lot of the work of building their relationship um but I think and I don't know if it's just those actors I felt had a really good chemistry so I bought it um that's fair but yeah it certainly could have been better developed I mean I will I will definitely agree with you that by far the best parts of this movie were him with his best friend and him with his dad. Those were far and away um, the strongest like relationships um, that the movie developed. I want to talk about Murph for a hundred years. <laughs> He's uh, the Murph- most adorable. <laughs> yes. So Murph is Brooks's best friend who also works at, with him at off-brand Subway. And Murph just very casually is gay. Like, it, it is just an established part of the world. There's no, like, coming out or anything. It's just Murph has a crush on a guy, and that is just part of the fabric of the story. And I loved that so much. It's so great. I love, uh, light spoilers, but I love that he never learns this guy's name. That was yeah, so, maybe yeah, they one of my final favorite moments in this movie they have a repeat customer and murph knows him by his sandwich order which is such a teen thing (laughs) i i did identify very heavily with him at the end when he was like i never asked his name and now it's been so long that it's weird and i'm like yeah i get you (laughs) yeah it's like i completely oh my gosh and would you know that actor is literally discredited as tuna melt (laughs) i I looked it up too I looked it up, too, because I was like, I wonder if they actually gave him a name. Um, listener, they did not. Um, but I think the the conflict between Brooks and Murph felt the most real to me. And it also felt the most teen, because I was like, literally, the solution to this is to just talk more. Um, yep. But Murph eventually, Murph gets justifiably upset that Brooks gets very involved in... Um, all of his like pretend dates because he's very concerned with um you know building up a, a money reserve in order to be able to pay for college 
And if you're talking about like going to a different semi-formal or partner event um, every, basically every night. Uh, Murph like starts. It. Yeah, Murph is like, I never see you anymore. You don't know anything about my life. All you ever want to talk about is this app that I made for you. Um, and that becomes sort of the, the source of their conflict, which they then have to resolve by Brooks being um, humbled and apologizing at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, and, and like that moment where Brooks comes in to find that he had been so oblivious to what his best friend was doing that his best friend changed his work shift um, and Brooks didn't even notice. Mm hmm. Um, but anyway, I thought the, the actor who plays Murph was one of my favorite parts. Um, I also, oh, by talk, far. I also want to talk a little bit about his relationship, his being Brooks, his relationship with his dad. Yes. Um, and I uh, think, that... oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you said that this was one of your favorite parts of the movie. Yes. I think Matt Walsh did a wonderful job. Um, and just, like, a very understated, you know, clearly a man who has gone through quite a bit of pain. Um, and he and Brooks need to confront the reality that, for basically no good reason, Brooks is ashamed of his dad. Um did we did we learn what happened with Brooks's mom and I missed it? I think or she is that just sort of a she's not here. I think they did allude to the fact. I don't know how explicitly, but I think they did allude to the fact that she basically packed up and left. Um, trying to remember if I just made that up or, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean clearly Brooks has some abandonment issues stemming from his mom. Um. Yeah, because I feel like they mention his dad's life kind of having spiraled when his mom left. Um, I wonder, I wonder if there did, see, this is what I get. I don't know that I was paying that close attention at this moment. Yeah. Was there something about his mom leaving because they weren't good, because Brooks... And Brooks decided it was because they weren't good enough and now she has a new family. That was what I remember being the case. I wonder if that's supposed to be the source of the class dynamic of the yes. movie. Like, Brooks wants to be better because his mom thought they weren't good enough. That's what I read into it. Um, oh, they should have. They needed they to hit that harder. They needed to hit that so much harder. <laughs> Oh, that would have been great. So really what we needed was for the movie to spend less time on teen romantic shenanigans. I cannot believe I'm saying that. <laughs> and more time, more time on father-son dynamic, which I will say I am a sucker for a father-son based story. Oh, yeah. Um, well, and I just think, yeah, and maybe that's part of why I really enjoyed those moments of the movie. Um because they did just do, like, Matt Walsh did just do such a lovely, understated job. And, again, maybe I'm being too generous to the script. Um, 
but I, I did really enjoy it, especially that last moment where his dad finally gets some good news in the mail, like, he's gotten all of these rejections, um, and finally he gets, um, an acceptance for, I think it's a grant, and Mm -hmm. he and Brooks just look at each other, and they're both so happy, and, um, so, maybe I'm reading the script too generously, but that's part of why I really enjoyed that dynamic. I think it's, yeah, I think it's there, I just think it could have been hit harder oh absolutely mm-hmm. well and even so even that moment i was just talking about where here he and his dad get this good news um and to be fair i don't think this was supposed to be their like ultimate scene because they have that kind of confrontation a little earlier in the movie well if we want to call mm-hmm. it a confrontation heart to heart we'll call it a heart to heart um and but even so like that moment that's supposed to be our cue of like oh brooks and his dad are have a much more functional relationship now like that's the moment where celia knocks on the door and like we're led away to the romantic conclusion um and in some ways i wish the film had let us linger more on brooks and his dad yeah if only because i think that was such a compelling dynamic (laughs) so I feel as though this movie was constructed based on how strongly people reacted to Noah Centineo being into All the Boys I've Loved Before. Oh, absolutely. Someone was (laughs) sitting in an office at Netflix and was like, you know what will get us all the streams? This guy. (laughs) And it's really interesting. I honestly did not know that this had this... um, movie shared its genesis from a book because for me it felt very much like okay let's pick a bunch of teen rom-com tropes out of a hat Mm. and sort of fold them in together so like you have um like love it quote-unquote love at first sight you have a like triple shot of the prom scene because (laughs) we get the semi-formal where he meets Celia and then a bunch of other date night events and then also also the prom you also get fake dating a staple I was gonna say dating of convenience I described (laughs) this movie I described this movie to a friend of mine as the teen version of marriage of convenience which is one of my favorite like romance novel tropes oh mine too undoubtedly um you have tension, like tense relationship um, between parent and child. You have like best friends have conflict and have to resolve it by using human words. Um, <laughs> you have college decision. Like I feel like. You, you have the aspirational decision that they think is the right choice and then learning that in fact, the University of Connecticut is a totally valid college option. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it felt like it felt like a, a lot of people. It felt like the people making it understood what their pieces were, but didn't quite know how to take full advantage of them. I would agree with that, and I think I would imagine that 
the best parts of this movie came from the strength of those actors rather than the script. You know what? I'm not even going to say I'm going to imagine. I feel like the best part of these movies, this movie, came from the dynamic between the actors. And they kind of, they, they sold it for me in a way more than the script. Like, they... The the this they added things in there that really made it believable. Absolutely. Um, even when I was kind of like mm, not quite sure that this is working, I still just really enjoyed watching Noah Centineo be cute and charming. Oh, which may absolutely. have may have been one of the reasons I didn't have as big of an issue. So he goes to interview with the Dean of Admissions at Yale, which is an interview that Celia gets for him because her dad knows a guy. And the conflict of that scene between him and Celia is that Brooks does some research on the Dean of Admissions, finds out he's an amateur beekeeper, does some reading about beekeeping, and then pretends to also be into beekeeping um, to connect with the Dean. Celia gets so upset about this and i did not understand why like that just seemed that just seemed like a solid strategy to me yeah that made literally no sense to me and i was thinking about um as i was applying for jobs this fall i did a bunch of informational interviews and not that i ever knew anything about the personal interests of the people i did informational interviews for but or with uh, but you better believe I had looked up the organization's website, looked at their, you know, priorities and their, like, focus. And so I had, you know, prepared conversation topics. Um, so I think that's just a very normal interview thing to do. I think we were supposed to be upset that he was lying to the dean about it because, like, they get really into comparing honeys and beekeeping styles and all of that but i'm like realistically this is the only conversation that brooks is ever gonna have with this guy yeah it's not like he's gonna go to school there for four years and have any cause to talk to the dean of admissions ever again right he was trying to make an impression and yeah so Celia, that that moment seemed very much like manufactured drama to me oh yeah and also seemed like the kind of thing that could really easily have been healed by, like, one line of dialogue from Celia or, like, from her cousin or whatever that was like, oh, yeah, Celia hates liars because her dog was killed by a liar. <laughs> like, like, give me a reason that that would be super off-putting for her, I guess. I guess. And, it, I mean, I guess, on the other hand, I think what they were going for was... You know, Celia is a person who's like, you need to be true to yourself. And definitely not understanding that she has the privilege to be authentically herself at all times without needing to do the things that Brooks feels he needs to do um, in order to get admission into this elite university. Um, mm-hmm. So, I I think yeah. that's what we were, again, that's a generous read. Because, um, yeah, it really did seem to, her reaction really seemed over the top. 
And I, I feel like there there were different options if they needed the two of them to have conflict. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, let's just set up the conflict of wait, but why do you want to go to Yale? Why why mm-hmm. are why like that seems like a valid conflict? Like why why is this such a big deal for you? Like why like I think the the bigger overarching conflict is why do you feel like you need this versus you learned a whole bunch about beekeeping for an hour long conversation. Mm-hmm. I gotta say I'm about tapped out on my thoughts and <laughs> about this movie. Um That's fair. I think I... we hit all the points. I am looking forward to seeing what Netflix decides to do with Noah Centineo next. <laughs> um, does he have any? All right. IMDb. Tell me about Noah and his what? projects. Oh, probably the To All the Boys I've Loved Before sequel. Oh, that's right. That is a thing that is happening. Yes. Which, listeners, do not worry. We will get there. Oh, absolutely. We will, we will get to all to All the Boys I've Loved Before. Um... And he's apparently going to be in the new Charlie's Angels adaptation. Oh, interesting. Which I'm not mad about. Me either. That seems about right. Elizabeth... Yeah, Elizabeth Banks is directing that, which is going to be actually very... Oh, this is the one with Kristen Stewart. Yes, yes. yes. Oh, very I'm excited about this one. <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking of... Uh, well... Sorry? Oh, I was just going to say, speaking of Elizabeth Banks, I was rewatching scenes from Pitch Perfect. <sighs> possibly a perfect movie (laughs) the first one for sure yep yep exactly Um, exactly so we are going to close out by giving you our listener a recommendation uh in kind of the same world as the movie we have just discussed um i as i said my enthusiasm for this movie was not high but one of my favorite moments in the movie was when you get to see the girl who hires Brooks for basically as a practice date. Because she says, I've never been on a date before. I want to be prepared for this date I have coming up that I'm really excited about. Um, which I thought was a very sweet and also felt the most real as a way to use his service. Um but reminiscent of that, the book that I would like to recommend to you is called Enter Title Here uh, by Rahul Kanakia. That's K-A-N-A-K-I-A, uh, which is a book about Reshma Kapoor, who is a basically a perfectionist. Nothing is going to stop her from getting into the Ivy League school of her dreams. Uh, and in order to put kind of the cherry on top of her college application Sunday, she decides that she's going to write a book about her life and get a book deal and that that's going to be her hook. And in order to do this, she's like, oh, but I need conflict in my life. And in order for conflict, I probably need a friend and probably also a boyfriend. So she, part of her story is that she finds a boy that she's like, yeah, I can, pretend to date you for the sake of my book um and then as the as the story goes on she has to kind of grapple with all of these fake things that she sets up kind of becoming real um so yeah my recommendation for you is enter title here 
That sounds like a delightful book, and I will need to look that up as soon as we are done. Um, is it okay if my recommendation is also a movie? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. So my recommendation is the 1987 John Hughes movie, Some Kind of Wonderful, um, whose plot is actually remarkably similar <laughs> to The Perfect Date. Um, it is about... Um, a young man who has a crush on uh, kind of the most popular girl in school that he sees as unattainable. And um, he and his female best friend, who is very clearly in love with him, um, get to all of these hijinks, get up to all of these hijinks um, to get him a date with this girl. Um, and it... I think does a much better job um, than The Perfect Date of developing that equivalent of Camila Mendez's character. Um, and it's just a lovely movie about growing up and accepting yourself. Um, and I, I think it's, I will go on this limb, I, I think it's the best movie John Hughes ever wrote. Um, and yeah, it's a classic. For a reason. So I I will say I'm not in general a huge John Hughes fan. I will watch this movie for you, Marin. Thank you. Thank you. I will watch it and report back. <laughs> and you there are plenty of problems to be had with this movie. It is in no way a problem free movie, but I think it touches on a lot of the same tropes as the perfect date and um does it better. Um again, if only because they develop uh in some kind of wonderful that character of like the unobtainable perfect girl is played by Leah Thompson um and they just do a lovely job of making her her own person with her own motivations um and do just a, a lovely job of similar tropes Love Ya is part of the Did You Do Your Homework Network of podcasts <laughs> um you can listen to our parent show on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, or wherever you get your other podcasts. Um, that is, did you do your homework? You can follow us on Instagram and at DYDYH podcast. Uh, the same is true for Twitter. Um, I don't know yet if Love Ya will have its own social media feed. The likelihood is high, but I will keep you all updated. <laughs> um, Marin, would you like people to be able to follow you on the internet? And if so, where? Oh, of course. Um, so I am on Twitter at A underscore star underscore danced, um, where I talk a lot about rom-coms and romance novels and maps. And I love a good map. <laughs> they are the best. Uh, you can follow me at all the places at Magical Martha. Um, if you have a movie that you would like for us to watch and discuss, please hit us up on Twitter or in the Did You Do Your Homework Facebook group. We are taking suggestions, and right now the only requirements is that they have to be a teen rom-com, and they have to be available on a streaming platform. I am, at the moment, not super committed to doing a lot of work to hunting these movies down, and I would like to see what's available to us that is already that we may already be subscribing for, rather than <laughs> uh, going out of our way to purchase new movies. 
Um, but as I said, we are taking suggestions. Questions, comments, concerns should be directed uh, via our Twitter or our Facebook. Those are currently the best ways to get a hold of us. And we will see you for our next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Excellent. Woohoo! Go team.